0: Hey there, friends. It's Eddie, host of The New Activist. You are listening, or about to listen to, a re-released episode from Season 1, our first episode season, obviously. That's why we named it one of the new activist. We are putting these out as we are preparing for season three, which will be awesome. I'm excited for you to hear it. As a quick reminder, if you would please go to newactivist.is forward slash IJM and fill out that form. It is not a, you don't need to give money or anything. Just fill out this form. It will send a letter to elected officials and it will be very helpful, not only in the work of IJM, but also in supporting this podcast. Thanks for doing that. Enjoy this episode. This is The New Activist, episode 009 with David Gunger, part of the band that you are listening to right now, one of my favorite bands, The Brilliance. They are about activism and challenging ideas and hope. ¶¶ Is Eddie Koffeltz, and interviewing David today is my friend and colleague, Bethany Wang. They are going to talk very deeply about what is inside David's heart and mind, what brings him to a point of being able to record lyrics like you're going to hear right now.
1: Every day we go to war again We assume we know so much more than them we hear what they have to say. Headline breaks, and we start to hate again. Calling them names again, we give our peace away. I hope they see it, cause I wanna see. to go on a trip in, um, to Israel where I was actually in Palestine in Bethlehem and I played a festival and I played a song called Dust We Are and Shall Turn and that phrase is obviously a phrase that can be a Christian phrase as well as a Jewish phrase as well as a Muslim phrase Wow! and mm-hmm. so I played it in an area that is mostly Muslim but there were some Christians and some Jews there and I noticed that Everyone was cool with it, and everyone was brought together by it. And I thought, I want to make music that brings more than just my tribe together. Mm. And that led me down to making music about peacemaking. So the sound has evolved over the last five years, and the themes have evolved over the last five years, Mm. to where the last little EP that we put out was a protest record. Mm -hmm. The one before that was a full-length record called Brother that was really focused on how we view the other. Mm -hmm. Um, Both were birthed out of places where I am a pastor um, at a local parish in Tribeca in New York City in a church called Trinity Grace Church. But I'm also an artist, and they let me go out and have our band and make art that uh, hopefully is inspires the imagination to how we view the other and reconciliation and forgiveness and love.
2: How would you, de- how would you describe what, what we're doing when we create an other? What is the other?
1: Well, I think, yeah, so one thing would be like we all consciously and subconsciously are, are part of the systems and mm-hmm. tribes. And in order for those systems and tribes to work, it has to create the other. Mm -hmm. And so we are afraid of the dissident, who is the one that threatens our system or our tribe. We are afraid of actually, if we actually treat the other as the same, it threatens the community. And because of that, we're afraid of our own community. Mm -hmm. And then... We're afraid of ourselves because we're afraid of the injustice that we, that we create in these systems. And so we don't actually want to talk about the other because our own injustice keeps us up at night. So that's why we focus on security and we focus on mm. all these different issues of making sure that they are the other, they are the stranger, and that we have our tribe and those who are in and those who are out. But this happens within our own communities as well, especially with people that are disabled, people that are um, rich and poor, those who are uh, holy and not holy, those who have stayed within the systems that we create. And so we all fall under that system and we forget oftentimes that we are the other and we are actually the oppressor. Mm. And so when you can get into expanding your worldview, you are really just expanding your capacity to feel the pain of the other. Oh, wow. And so when you can feel their pain or see their pain and see their humanity, then your worldview should be messed with hmm. and it will probably start to change.
2: How do you help people want to expand their capacity so to, great. to feel so how other people's pain. I think
1: that's that is where the artist part comes in. So, I could be an artist. You know, there are preachers and book authors that have their craft that is very artistic and can share stories in a great way. The power of melody is that it it dives into a different type of medium to mm. where melodies can kind of be these little haunting memories of the soul or of the human condition. Wow. And so you, you feel when you hear a melody that's beautiful and you can tie a lyric that can go along to it, your guard is down by the beauty. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes it'll have a ripple down effect where you're like, oh, I hate their politics, but I love their music. But somehow through their music, your politics are softening because you find it beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes the way that, I mean, this is just as a young white man, the way that you first experience, like, what is it like in the inner city? The only way that I can experience that on the first part of that is through art. Hmm. And so hip hop or shows like The Wire or whatever that is. And then when you have a friend that actually has lived there or has gone through it. It invites conversation, and I'm starting it from a place of curiosity, of learning instead of a place of well, I know what's right or what's actually happening there.
2: Ah right. And
1: so art helps you let down your guard. Art helps you, I think in a sense, it kind of breaks down the walls that create some of these systems. Just
0: hey, for everybody, I was afraid to look in their face. My the only fault was the light and it was too bright. Come on,
1: when I look into the face. I see my brother, I see yeah. my brother. Huh. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother, I see my brother.
2: How can music help open up a willingness to see our own role as oppressors, our own yeah. role in
1: injustice? I think on one level you just in order to forgive in order to operate in grace there's always first a call to repentance hmm. and that call to repentance often just looks like naming whatever it actually is so naming the injustice wow. yeah. and turning just towards, like, here's the reality of things. However, our systems create the hells that we know. So our systems are the ones that we are the ones that create the great abyss that separate Lazarus from the rich man. The only difference is we think that we're, in, we're going to heaven and we're the ones who are saved, and we forget that Lazarus is in need, is in need of saving, is, is the poor man. And yet the rich man doesn't even think twice about Lazarus. And then when he's in, in the, with that parable, he asks for Lazarus to still come serve him. And not only to still come serve him, but then to go warn people, which is once again send him out to do, you know, he's still in the middle of that. So that I, I kind of go, how oftentimes when I look at parables, I go, okay, we're the ones in need of saving especially for who are in and out when you start to go in and out crowd. Right, right? And so I go, okay. When I look at that parable, I go, I'm the rich man. Hmm. Who is Lazarus? There's this great abyss that separates. What is the abyss c- caused by? It's not caused by God. Hmm. That great abyss is caused by... <laughs> The rich man and not being able to see and not being able to, he still doesn't get it. Even in judgment, he doesn't get it. He's still going, hey, have him serve me. So how oftentimes when I look at systems, you can go in and you can go, if you've been to the Middle East, you're like, oh, yeah, well, what we should do then is just, we should bring democracy. It's like, Hmm. I think democracy and capitalism is the best system. I do. However, do I think it's the best system for a different worldview? Hell no. That is just like I, so I become these little mini kings and queens. Mm. We bring our kingdom and we bring our power. And yet it happens within our own countries for how you look at race, how you look at the have and the have not, how you look at disabled and not, how you look at even state by state. It's like he's crazy for how privileged we are. Mm. And yet we're blind to our privilege. So the only way that an American can really feel the weight of that is one, I think, is they need to travel. Mm -hmm. So I think short-term missions trips as, like, gospel evangelism, as far as, like, the colonization in Jesus' name, is, like, that. uh, you're missing the point of the gospel. However, I'm totally for, like, that sixth, seventh grader going to Mexico and preaching for Jesus. If they're going to actually be with the poor Mm -hmm. and they're actually going to experience that and they're going to go, that's why short-term missions trips, usually it does more for the missionary than it does for those who hear it. However... I think, you know what? Welcome to life where all the time we think we're the saviors and yet we're the ones who are needing to get saved. So how often when you actually go volunteer at the homeless shelter, is it more beneficial for you than it was for the homeless guy? Oftentimes, a lot of times. Not always because, you know, certain times homeless shelters, I'm saying they need volunteers. However... We do these acts of services, get our badges of justice. Mm. We think, oh, we're totally for justice. When We don't know the first thing about justice. We can't do justice. Justice belongs to God. We can show mercy. And in showing mercy, seeing that we are the ones in greatest needs of mercy. Because we are the rich. We are the ones who think we are in. And if you read any of Jesus' teaching, what does he say about those who think they're in? Mm -hmm. What does he say about the rich? What does he say? And it just kind of, it should scare you a little. Is there a role that we can play
2: with God in setting things back to right? Yeah,
1: I think when you talk about justice, justice belongs to God. However, we as agents of justice show mercy. And really when you talk about showing mercy, peacemaking, the first starting point of peacemaking is being able to see the humanity in the other, and be able to feel the weight of both sides, of the pressure of, of seeing like, oh my gosh, you're going through this. So every, there's always two sides to every coin. There's always these stories of trauma. And we know that within the world of peacemaking, violence breeds more violence. Right. And so it takes courage to step in in a nonviolent way mm. and say, learn how to forgive. Now, to learn how to forgive doesn't mean you forget And it also doesn't just say, hey, everything they did was okay. Right. But learning how to forgive is going, I don't own justice. God owns justice. Mm -hmm. And so I'm letting God be God. And as an agent of God's justice, I would Mm -hmm. pray that then I try to, with humility, go, how can we always show mercy and compassion and love? And that's the birth of peacemaking is to be able to say, do you see how they feel? Mm. Do you see the trauma that they've been through? And can that person see the other? Right. And from there, you kind of break down these walls of systems of who's in, who's out. Until we can start to say, I think the hope for it, and this is dark for me. yeah, Because I, I'm like, I don't see it anytime soon. Mm. But I still believe in it enough to where I go, okay. The hope for it is to be able to see humanity. And when you see humanity, you see the image of God. When the walls fell And the hungry child Cried out for help Did you hear the sound? Did your heart break? Does your heart break now?
2: There's so much richness to I mean, the lyrics and your music, and I mean, everything that you're talking about. Um, so much that points to lament, to repentance, to injustice, um, to reconciliation. Where does all that come from for you? Where did it, those themes, those passions, start to really brew in your heart and take hold of you?
1: My parents are pastors, and I grew up as—I was raised a Christian, and so all of those things—
2: That doesn't happen for everyone, though. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm saying
1: I don't want to just be like, (laughs) I had this one moment, but I I grew up knowing those values. Right. However, I didn't really know what that meant until I started to get outside of those values. So for um, me—I mean, this is—I don't mean to play—like— um, couch therapy right now, but for me, when I was in junior high, like my parents were pastors at a fairly large church mm-hmm. and my dad had a moral failure, and so as a as like feeling public shame for the first time in my life, like real mm. public shame wow was something that, as a middle schooler that all of a sudden you feel on the underside of power in a religious stance, in a, in a, re- a religious lens, wow, that all right. of a sudden you're going, oh, like, oh, wow, this is what it must be like to be shamed. So experiencing that, then wow. in college I, um, I was working at a church, and working at a church where what do you do when you're working at a church and you face the trauma of, like, I don't know if I believe what you believe.
2: Hmm. What is something happening in our world right now that just would you say, is most grabbing your heart or capturing your imagination
1: or... Yeah, I'm a four on the Enneagram. I think I am too, actually. I just, I just live in the <laughs> we dark. We get along yeah. really well. I just live in the darkness. So yeah. the darkness brings me life. So yeah. I don't, there's not, for me, there's not one issue in the sense of um, just the very nature of systems like this. How, hmm. I think really spur on all issues. So for instance, when you look at even in America for like racism, Mm -hmm. when you talk about how we view the human and there's racism, there's misogyny and how we view women, there's all these things where we are in power and they are not. Mm -hmm. And as a man, as a white man, all of this grieves me to go, oh my gosh, I am the oppressor. Mm -hmm. As a first step is confessing and I go, okay. So now, what do? How then shall I live? Yeah. And so, hopefully through art, or hopefully through the way that we spend our money, the way that we are trying to form ourselves as a people, then goes, I want to live a different narrative, into to where I'm not going to play into that system. Yeah. And so, for me, there are issues of peacemaking when you talk about Israel Palestine. There are issues of peacemaking when you talk about racial reconciliation. There are issues of peacemaking when you talk about religion itself and religion within just Christianity. So, I am very passionate about, about uh, ecumenical thought, about mm-hmm. meeting with people that believe different than you within Christianity mm-hmm. and outside of it. And so, for me, that's one of those things where it's like, well, I want to, can I learn to become a human being? Mm-hmm. And can I learn to see other human beings? And that's my passion. Hmm.
2: What would you hope if you could just ask whether it's artists, musicians, or just anyone who's hoping to make a difference, if, if you could ask them to make one shift or one um, change of direction or new step that they could take forward and how they're living or how they're making their music or their art or how they're trying to reach others in the world?
1: What would it be? I would ask who their friends are and who their community is, and mm-hmm. what they're listening to and what they're reading. and Just first look around your environment and seeing how you're being shaped by that. Yeah. So if you, you might be like, oh, I really want to be passionate about justice. But if you're part of a community that is, is just building its walls so high that it, it can't see, it's really hard to actually yourself to take a step outside of the wall mm. so how do you listen to other read listen engage with the other yeah and for me that that's i mean it oftentimes it's having really tough conversations and trying to learn and wrestle with and um also have I mean just your posture as a human being i don't I, I can't stress enough. It's so easy for me to even within these systems of just like we become the judge of the judger, hmm. so like I'm like, oh, I just hate all my community judges, and all I'm focused on is. I'm so focused on this stupid <laughs> negativity of who I surround myself with. Whereas, like, right. why am I doing that? The like irony. I don't, <laughs> like, just let, like, I'm going to look at them as, have compassion on them as the other. Like, wow. if I look at the outsider and I see the Muslim and I can have a lot of compassion for the way they grew up, can I have a lot of compassion for the insider within my own group?
2: Right.
1: And go, how do I have compassion for these people? And just go, what is it, what is the wound? That is making you feel like you have to oppress. Hmm. And so as a Christian truth bat bully, (laughs) I go, all right, I've been there. I've done that. What caused me to do that? Is it fear? Hmm. If it is fear, like what am I afraid of? There must be some more mystery and more to this to where I must come humbly in the same way I'd come humbly before you to try to learn. I got to come humbly before God and go, I don't understand why this is happening. But if I'm not honest about it, then fear is the cancer that births. Mm -hmm. But if I can be honest about it through music, through lament, if I can be honest about it through prayer, if I can be honest about it through intercession, right. that is the place where I go, okay, my heart starts to change. And I start to hopefully transition from a place where I'm only operating out of fear into a place where I'm operating out of faith, hope, and love. Right.
0: Well, first, my deepest gratitude to Bethany and David for allowing us to peer into that conversation. You know, I there's a lot of thinking about but I think the last question he asked, how do I oppress and am I being honest about that? and am I operating out of fear or faith, hope and love? I hope it's the latter. I really do. And for the subset of artists that are listening to this today, I hope that you feel some measure of inspiration, I guess. That seems like too thin a word to use, but some measure of inspiration to use your art and your voice and your platform uh, in the way that The Brilliance is. That's why they were on this show, because they're selling records and people are listening to them and the music is beautiful, but the lyrics are encouraging people to have deeper conversations. That actually really matters a lot. In our activism journey together If you would like to hear more from The Brilliance Really the best place to go is their website Thebrilliancemusic.com They have great links there to all of their social media So definitely follow them As well as The Brilliance Podcast Such a good show Totally listen to that podcast You can also pre-order their album All Is Not Lost You heard one of the tracks at the beginning of the show See the love And they are going to be on tour December eight through 17. Find them, listen to them, enjoy that show, all of that on thebrilliancemusic.com. The New Activist is presented by International Justice Mission. IJM is working to end slavery in our lifetime and won't stop until all are free. If you would like to learn more about the work of IJM and even come and work with us, we are looking specifically for folks who are really good at technology type things. I guess that's how you say it. Go to IJM.org forward slash careers. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of the brilliance and Bethany Wang and my colleagues at International Justice Mission, I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. May you find the light
1: to guide.